co-host, Jim Conley, Executive Marketing Manager for Anatomy and Physiology at McGraw-Hill Education. Welcome to Succeed in a a podcast dedicated to you, the Anatomy and Physiology Instructor. On this podcast series, we will feature teaching tips and helpful tactics for teaching anatomy and physiology from instructors all around the country. They all have unique perspectives on teaching AMP, and some of the perspectives might work for you and others may not. Our goal at McGraw-Hill Education is to provide you with the best anatomy and physiology teaching and learning resources, and this podcast will share success stories how you can use these resources. We want to help and inspire you to make your class the absolute best that it can be. This podcast features my conversation with Richard Perkle, a biology instructor from Tennessee Tech. And on this podcast, we'll talk about overcoming the challenges of unprepared students and other teaching tips that you can use in the classroom. We certainly have some fun along the way as Richard will share his experiences and his perspective. I hope you enjoy. My name is Jim Conley. I'm the Marketing Manager for Anatomy and Physiology here at McGraw-Hill Education. So proud to be here with you guys today, and I am joined by one of the greatest people on the planet, a near and dear friend of mine, Richard Perkle from the great state of Tennessee. How you doing, Richard? Good. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, I can't complain at all. You know, it's a Friday. We're heading into a holiday weekend, so really, I don't know if you can ask for much more. No, other than the fact that the heartbeat is, like, drenching us at this point. It, it would be great if it would go away. Yeah, it really would. I know that's been uh, an unfortunate thing, and we're certainly thinking of all the folks, um, not only in the southeast, but definitely in the state of Texas. Our thoughts go out to you all, and uh, um, I hope we get a quick recovery from that. All right, well, Richard, I'm excited to have you here on our podcast here today. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions, if you don't mind, uh, so we can share that with the yeah. rest of our audience. Um, so how, real quick, how long have you been teaching anatomy and physiology? Uh, I started teaching A&T Labs in 2007 and then started teaching the lecture around 2010, I think. And then I, I taught at a small school where the lectures were fairly small and I think had 45 students in a class at most. And, um, uh, and then uh, in 2012, I started working at Tennessee Tech where the classes are, could go up to around 260. So it's drastically different, but I've been teaching it ever since then. Oh, great. And then uh, for your students that are at Tennessee Tech, where are they traditionally going to? Like what career field? Most of them are some sort of pre-something. There's a a lot of them that take it that are pre-nursing. We have a fairly good nursing program here. And so um, in the springs especially, over 60% of the class will be pre-nursing majors. And then uh, the other ones are pre professional for pre-PT, pre-OT, mostly pre-allied health type things. Awesome. Occasionally a couple pre-meds here and there, but a lot of them, or most of them are mostly pre-therapy, pre-PA, something like that. Got it. Well, this podcast is all about how we can share with the rest of the world some teaching tips and some things that really have been good that you've been doing. Um, I've watched from afar and, and participated a little bit in your Twitter handle, Perkle and AP, and I just love this. It's so much fun, and I know your students love it. I've talked to some of your students. Can you explain that concept to the audience and then a little bit about why you created that? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of social media because the students are fans of social media, and at some point you have to reach them where they're at, and that's where they're at right now. And so I I, I started a Twitter just to like, because that's what everybody was using at the time, and so I um, was able to to get the students to sort of interact with me some, and and I found that 
I needed some way to keep up with, you know, the, this is a student that's in my class right now. And, uh, and it's, I think a student joked with me one time, it's like, oh my gosh, you teach this so hard. And it's like, it's like you have your own version of A&P. I was like, oh, it's like, it's like Perkle A&P. And so it, I, it just became a thing at that point. And everybody just kept calling it that. And so eventually I just started, um, I started that Twitter handle. And I, I actually put it on the syllabus and encouraged students to use it, especially if they're asking a question pertaining to the class at that moment or, or something like that. And I'll, I'll get online and check the, um, you know, use the Twitter search stuff and to, to look and to see if anybody's tweeting about it and try to interact with them whenever they do that. So it helps because I, I wind up having a lot of followers. I have no idea if they're actually in my class right now, and that sort of helps, like, narrow it down a good bit. And so, Plus, I think they like it. I think part of it is something for, they can complain and use that as their handle when they complain. So, you know, <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and to me, what I love is they show a lot of personality in it, and then you do as well. I think that really just takes that and really makes it unique and charming. Yeah. Which I think is I fun. It worked out. I've started using Snapchat, and I'm not I'm not very good at that. And uh, so they, I tell them, I was like, you're going to get a lot of pictures of my feet. And so that's what they usually get if they ever send me a question. I just get pictures of my feet. Although I have found it useful occasionally. They'll ask a question about anatomy, and if I'm sitting in my office, I can just run in the lab and take a picture of it, pointing at it or circle it on the screen. So it's harder to use but than, than Twitter was to get involved with the students. But that's what they're using now, so I'm trying to develop something there too. Yeah, that's great. And, and to me, I think that's what really makes you a unique instructor is you're always trying to find, you know, that next great thing to try to connect with your students. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's a moving target out there, as we all know. Oh, yeah, yeah. They keep I keep getting older, and they stay the same age. And so it's, it's hard to figure out what's coming next and what's going to work best for them. And, and, and that's, the, that's the key. That's, you know, every every change I make is, is intended to help the students do better and, and interacting with with the professor and feeling comfortable asking questions that's a big chunk of it oh yeah yeah that dialogue back and forth between the instructor and student is just so remarkable and really important in the course yeah especially a tough one like a and p oh yeah yeah so tell me what excites you the most about teaching in general uh i you know to be honest when i was in college i was one of those people like i'll never teach this is crazy i don't understand why people do that and, uh, and then when I wanted to go to grad school, they told me I could either pay $24,000 a year or get paid $24,000 a year, and all I'd have to do is teach this. And I was like, oh, sweet, I'll teach. That's fine. It'll be good. And, uh, and uh, I, I just love it. I love every second of it. I love the I, – I treat it as if it's a, a show, honestly. I, I, like, prepare, like, jokes and, like, activities and, and all these things. I spend a bunch of time, like, uh, up front, like – setting it up as if I'm, I'm trying to entertain uh you know the people for however long and and uh i don't it's part of it's the showmanship of it like that i enjoy about teaching and part of it is the fact that i really get to if i do it the way i want to do it i get to be involved in a student's development and that's fun to see so it was both gratifying to me and i think it's helpful for them and uh and so it's it's been a it, it's really nice when you have a student and then four years later you find out they're in med school and they're doing great. They go, oh, it helped me. when I still remember when you told told this story or, or this helps me remember that or, you know, just whatever else. And so that's really nice. And I, I enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that's really neat. And, and I remember my own experience as a community college student, then at a four-year university, and then later on into my master's uh, journey 
I always had great professors, and that's one of the reasons why I got into the business. And it's just fascinating that, you know, through going through the educational process, being a student yourself, then you kind of fell into teaching and really uh, have been rocking it ever since, which is great. Oh, yeah. So I know one thing you and I have talked about a lot is this dynamic of open enrollment and how it can present, obviously, a great opportunity. I love the fact that we can take any student and throw them into an AP course, but there's also a challenge there. So can you talk a little bit about like, what the challenge is for you as an instructor? Yeah, I, th- I think this is, you know, we, you and I have talked to other AP instructors across the country, so I don't think this is anywhere close to unique, but I think the issue is a lot of times students are coming in really underprepared to take anatomy, and so, like, especially in an anatomy and physiology course, there's of background information, of just general biology type things that they really need to know. There's some chemistry they need to know. And so asking them to just jump into an anatomy class is a bit of a challenge. Um, and, and many of them, you know, honestly, out of a class of, you know, 200 and so, I'll have, you know, a good eh, 50 to, to 85 people that just, are, they're ready. So, you know, it doesn't matter. They're pumped and they're, they're getting after it. They'll figure it out, and they'll, they'll rise to the challenge. But there's a good chunk of them, more than half, that really struggle with the basics. And I think that's the, that's the worst thing about just dropping them in there is it's, it's not, uh, they're, they're not ready for, they haven't had a prerequisite class that would help them in that way. Um, and then the other thing is, is doing that means, means that they're taking the class when they're extremely young academically, and so which they haven't developed good study skills, you know. Uh, High school study skills and college study skills are very different, and and I, I didn't believe that. Everybody told me that when I was in high school. I'm like, ah, whatever. Well, I struggled through my first two years of college trying to figure out how in the world to study, and so it was um, it was it, it, understanding that I, that I'm I'm pushing them harder than than what they're ready for. A lot of times is it's uh, something I have to deal with. And I have to make sure that I'm consciously aware that this is this is difficult for you and I know it's difficult for you and then be encouraging and try to help them and move them along but um, you know the, there's just no way to add the prereq in you know with the, with the nursing program especially like their, their stuff is so narrow so like there's, there's got to be a way to deal with that at the time and I think that's what the challenge is is finding the best way to deal with um, these students coming in and, and not being ready to actually be in the class. Yeah, I hear you there. And, and maybe let's go down the road of like building a good story and we'll do it a little bit in reverse. I know a lot of times, you know, you could talk about the good things and the bad things. Let's talk about like the one thing that you did where you're like, man, this is really going to be great, but it was well intended strategy or tactic, but it just didn't work out very well. Yeah. What would that be? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, this, I, you know, we were talking about this one time before and it's like, this is by far the, the one of the dumbest things I ever tried. And so, I thought, okay, they just need help, like, learning how to study. So I'm going to rearrange all the lab material to where I can spend the entire first lab, like, like uh, just talking about study skills. We'll introduce their TAs. The, the TAs will say, this is what I did to study. This is how you can study. And we'll go through this whole study skill thing. And, and I thought, this is going to be great. The, the grades will go up. They'll, they'll be studying from the start. They understand that they need to. The TAs are going to be encouraging. And this is going to be wonderful. Well, uh, the grades actually went down. Uh, and uh, and I, was, I was very disheartened. And then I got my teaching evaluations back, and probably 15 or 20 people on the teaching evaluations specifically mentioned that lab and how they felt talked down to and were, were annoyed that they had to go through the study skills tip 
type lab, you know, telling them what to do. It's like, we had a class that did this already. We don't need this. Like, it's a waste of our time. You know, we should be learning more about, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I, I was really disappointed because I thought, oh, man, I'm doing something to really help them and, and to try to give them a hand and, and you know, and pick them up. And I, I was giving them all the tips. I, I make the students come get their exams from me. They, I don't give them back to them. If they want to look at them, they can come look at them in my office, and then they leave them with me. And so, it, it, and I do that simply to make them come talk to me about their study habits and their study skills. And, and what I had found is that a lot of students were, I was telling them the same thing. And so I thought, like, I'm going to give them a jump on these study habits, you know, before the first exam instead of after. And I don't think they get any feedback from it. I think that was the thing that actually, like, didn't, that it didn't help is they, they didn't see, like, what they did right and what they did wrong. There was no way to assess themselves whether or not they were studying correctly or whether or not they had the right attitudes towards scholarship. And that was the biggest challenge about it. And so it was it was very frustrating because I thought I was on to something. I thought I'd figured something out. And I thought, oh, look at this. It's going to be great. And it just it failed miserably. Yeah. And, boy, what a crushing thing, too. So you have this well-intended tactic and strategy. You roll it out there, and you're thinking you know, grandiose things are going to come, teaching of the year awards coming your way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, nothing. Bang! <laughs> they hated it, and it didn't. It didn't work, and, it, and I mean, if they hate it and it works, I don't care. You know, that's right. It's like, look, it's working, but if it, it just if they didn't like it and it didn't work, and it was just like, ah, oh, I thought that was, I really thought that was going to work, and so, but it, it did sort of spur me on, of, of, and that's about that time is when I, I stumbled into um, starting to use Connect, actually. And uh, so that was one of the the uh, learn smart prep component was one of the things that it's, when I saw it I was like crap that's what I needed <laughs> so, because it has the self assessment and it has the ability for them to see what they're missing and not and not getting right and that was that that is actually it has been successful in improving their study habits before the first exam so. Well, yeah, that's awesome. So I know you and I have definitely talked about that a lot. I've been in all of your webinars where you will present some of the solutions that you have that, that we've published. So with that Learn Smart Prep for AMP, what about it, I think, you know, from your perspective, you think is just the most valuable for the student? Uh, for the, On the student side, it gives them a chance to sort of um, – to, to in very small increments. I love the 20 minute version, like where you go in and you do 20 minutes of this and 20 minutes of this. That's what they need to do. Like, you know, some of them will go in and like, I'm going to do five hours, and like they're not going to get as much value out of it. But so I always encourage them. I just want you to do 20 minutes. Take one of the breaks in between classes and do 20 minutes of work on it. And it, and it lets them go through and sort of encounter the basic material in a way that like where it asks them a question because oftentimes. You know, they'll read it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But if you're not asked a question about it, you don't actually know if you are just recognizing these are words I've seen before versus I can actually use the, the information that I have in my head. And so the, the, the question and response pattern of it is really good. Uh, the, uh, the fact that they get feedback immediately, it tells them if they got it wrong or if they got it right. If they got it partially right, there's a lot of the questions, the way they're set up, they, you know, there's multiple right answers. and You're supposed to select all that apply. And, and and so a lot of that, that, those are the ones where they miss the most because they'll remember one part of it. They won't remember this other component. And so and it will help them sort of realize, like, oh, there was more to that than I, re than I remembered. And then they can dig deeper. And um, there's uh, – now, for my end of it, on, this, on the uh, professor side, I love the reports 
because when a student comes to me and tells me that they're struggling with their like with the content, say they say they are struggling with the, the way that um, uh, the way that in electrons work or something, you know, something very basic. I can sit down and I can pull up their LearnSmart and I can look at the LearnSmart prep data that they have and I can say, okay, this is the, the areas that you're missing. These are the problems that you have. This is where you're, where you're running into issues. And instead of sitting in my office and playing 20 questions with them, which is what I did before, where I would just ask question after question after question, trying to figure out what it is they didn't understand, it gives me a jumping off point. And you know, occasionally we get off on tangents. We find other things that they're they're struggling with, but uh, for the most part, it, it works really well to, to sort of give me a, a stepping a stepping stone to get into their into their heads. If they're struggling with like time management or you know more of a study skill, uh, other components of Learn Smart Prep help with that. And it's extremely useful to sit down and say, okay, well, you apparently think it's okay to study one hour a week for this class when you know, I'm expecting you to study three minimum, and probably more than that, considering like, you know, if you are you reading the book or what are you doing to study, and you know that kind of thing. So, it, it, again, it's it's a place to give you something to talk about rather than just talking in general and saying things that you've always said to every student. And it may not apply to that specific student. Yeah, that's great. And I've actually I've talked to one of your students that was remarking about not only SmartBook but then Learn Smart Prep. And what she said is it gave her a lot of data that she could use herself, but then when she came in to visit you for office hours, it was more specific, and she said a lot of times you were able to go deeper in your conversation about the content, which I think is really what we all want. Right, yeah. It it doesn't wind up being just a, oh, you don't get this one thing. Here's the same thing I said in lecture. You know, they, they... They'll find, because they're getting this feedback, they find out that, like, wait, I don't really understand why this happens. And, and then you can have conversations about why and how, and that's really where you're trying to, where you're trying to head. You want them doing that before the exam rather than giving them a question like on that exam, and they never have any idea of how to, like, how to work themselves through it. Yeah, and I think you referred to the the topic of targeting. So targeting the specifics for the student. I know you have an article that's going to be published here shortly, um, talking about that concept and many other things related to engaging students, really helping them along. But with targeting those specifics, you know, you talked about the electron earlier. Why is that really helpful for the student in particular? You know, there's there's that classic phrase: they don't know what they don't know, and it's. And it, but it, it, and it's cliche, but it's true. They really don't know where they have a problem until they're taking an assessment on it. And so, with uh, there's there's reports that they can get for themselves that show them what their most challenging learning objectives are. It can show them the questions they're missing most often. It can show them the part of the textbook that they're struggling with. And so, rather than them never having any idea, the students specifically never having any idea what they don't know, it's giving them feedback. And so they get that feedback themselves. Plus, on my end, I get feedback for specific students. If I want, if they come in and ask me a question, I can go in and look at their their learn smart and get that same information. And then we can talk about it and we can go through it. Um, probably more beneficial in, a, in an extremely large class like mine is the the uh, aggregate data that you get. So, like, you get you can what is the class's most difficult learning objectives? What are what are the questions they're they're most missing the most? And I've found that that I, if I if I assign the, the the reading assignments with SmartBook, or if I'm using LearnSmart to sort of build the first few weeks worth of lectures, if I'm using LearnSmart Prep for that, 
like I find that like every single semester that I do that, I'm not teaching the same thing twice. They, a different set of students will struggle with a different concept um, every single time. And, and so like a lot of times I'll go, I'll assign it before a class, before the lecture, I'll make them read and then I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, these are things I need to focus on. I'll just touch on the other parts because they get it already. And then I've also done it the other way where it's something very difficult. I'll explain it once, I make them read about it and then I'll look at the data before the next lecture and then I'll remediate it. I'll say, okay, this is what you guys didn't do well on. Let's talk about that again just briefly and try to point out other ways to think about it or talk about it. So it, it, it one, it keeps me engaged in the material, which helps me do better personally. And it also uh, gives them the ability to, to get the information that they're struggling with and continually have that remediated before you have to wait till the study session the night before the exam. You know, that's that's starting to push, especially with the amount of content that we cover for each exam, it can be it can be daunting to have to do that. So it's better to do it then in the moment. And uh, having that data lets me do that. I mean, it, and I'm, I'm telling you, Jim, like every semester is different. It's never once been the exact same. And I always thought like, oh, this is, must be, this is the hard part. This is what they don't get. I'll make sure I explain it twice. It, there wasn't any need sometimes. Right. Sometimes something very simple would be something that they're 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 hung up on, and you're like you're like I would have never known that. I mean, not in a million years would I ever thought you guys didn't get this. And so, but let's explain it again. Let's make sure you get it. Maybe I didn't say it exactly right. Maybe you got maybe the way I phrased it confused you. Let's just try it a different way. And and it it's been extremely helpful. Well, that's great to hear, and I've observed that in, in some other courses with uh, colleagues that you know real well, where they've recanted the same thing that. Every class is different, and there are some common oh, offend, yeah. common offenders on the content side. But generally speaking, you know, it's a moving target you guys are trying to address. Yeah, yeah it's really strange. I, I, I guess I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. I can see which things I need to really beef up on, and it's like, well, I guess all of it at some point. <laughs> it, just, it just changes. That's really odd. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of crazy. Well, maybe yeah. one thing, I know this is going to be a tough question. You and I talked a little bit about this, but do you have any other tips, like maybe a couple that you want to pass along? And they don't have to be technology-related. They could be any other things that uh, you might help our audience if they're teaching A&P. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the one thing that if, like if I, I, I when I'm a new colleague or something like that, and they ask me like, you know, oh, you know, how do you teach this or how do you do this? I'm always my my first thing is like you don't want to teach it like I do. Like this is not the like you need to teach it like you would teach it. And and that's the that's the thing I think people don't do often is they don't realize that you you you, you find out what you're what you're good at. Find out what you're really good at doing, and then focus on doing that and doing it well. Um, I think for me, I, 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 I'm good at like trying to be like bad puns and, and memes and, and making jokes and stories and things like that. That's, what's, that's what I'm good at. I tried to do a bunch of the flipped classroom things and, and the students didn't like it and they didn't learn any better. And it's like, this isn't working for me. It isn't my style. And, and so I think it's, it's important to, to know what your style is and to, to play up your, like, your strengths. And I think the students respond to that because they realize you're trying to do what's what's best for you, and then in, in the process, hopefully, what's best for them. The other thing, the biggest, like, and I know this sounds like a dumb tip, but like, you really have to listen to your students. Like, they ask them, like, you know, what can I do better? You know, not just the evaluation. The evaluations are their way of roasting you, but find a good student, find one that you like, 
and that you think is engaged well, that understands the material well, and ask them, like, hey, if you, if you could make me do anything differently, what would you do? I've had some incredibly good tips from students. Like, uh, I know you met Gabby and Taylor, which were some of my TAs that were in my class. Like, I, I would frequently ask them, like, what if, if you could do it, like, what would you do? Like, what would you do different than me? And they're like, well, I like this part of it, but if I would do, I'd do a little different than this or this. And it, it, they're great. Honestly, like, you know, they're the ones who, who need you to teach, who need you to give them the information, who need you to, to guide them as they learn it themselves. I mean, you can't really force them to learn it. So figuring out what they need and what's what's most effective for them is really important. And, you know, don't just don't just rely on your teaching evaluations for that because that's oftentimes I think the teaching evaluations is where people go to gripe, not to be constructive. Yeah, that's an amazing angle, too. And, and Gabby and Taylor, those two young ladies are awesome. And I think one of the fun things about those two in particular, and I'm sure the audience has a lot of examples like this, but you know, you're teaching students are going to go into allied health fields, potentially nursing, and that's maybe where the bulk of them may live. But the fun part about this is I can see, especially with those two, and I've talked to them about that, that the things they've learned from you about teaching – and the experience for them being TAs, I could see them being the next great A&P professor or whatever field they end up going into. Oh, and then yeah. that's part of your legacy, which is just a, a total, tremendous amount of fun, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 yeah it's so, pretty cool. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little, like, sometimes it's overwhelming because you think about, like, all the people that you're impacting and, and the, uh, the, 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 you know, their odds of getting into, you know, post-professional schools nursing school and all that sort of stuff is, is a little daunting and that you're affecting that so it, it's a it's a responsibility that's for sure but I always tell them I, I have no interest in waking up on a table and looking up and seeing somebody <laughs> and thinking oh crap it's you like I do not want that like that is not my goal so I want them to be you know be professional and be and to be competent and to be ready to go for the next step so and I think it's I think it's been going really well yeah, that's great. And I know I've heard you say this a lot, uh, where you say teaching A&P is a tremendous honor. And I, I think really linking up what you just said with just the complexity and the enormous responsibility that it is, is just really a big undertaking and, and one that thankfully, you know, you're taking on and, and the audience is as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I know it's difficult and I know it's it's a challenge that you get students, a lot of students, and, and you know, I am fully aware that the nursing school is using me to help weed out people that they don't want to have to like um, to, to weed out on their own. Like, and I absolutely learned to know that. But and and that's not a good position to be in. But I also am in a position to to help those students, to give them the hand that they need, to like try to help them succeed and to do better and to find what's if if this isn't what they're supposed to be in, that's great. Let's help them find something else. Let's help them find what they're good at. And I'm I'm just as happy when they come out as a, as a fantastic accountant years later and then when they wind up being a doctor. I just want them to do what's best for them. Amen. Do what's best for them and be happy. That's all what we all want. It's great. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. So let me ask you, I'm going to give you two last quick questions here uh, before we end okay. our session, but uh, what's your vision for the future of teaching A&P? Oh, I, th- I think there's – I really – I'm praying for uh, the um, – the virtual re- the augmented reality stuff to kick in really good and uh, I, I'm thinking like you know goggles for all the students and they you know and they sit there and there's augmented reality with like a, 
a virtual cadaver in front of them. I got like I got big plans for the future, man. Like, I, need, I need a lot of money is what I need. I should have won that lottery. That would have been helpful. But um, yeah, I, mean, not, I, I really think technology is going to continue to infiltrate the, the teaching world. I think there will be good technologies. I think there will be bad technologies. I think we're going to work our way through all of them and, and – what helps the students should be what stays around, and, and I think there'll, there'll be more, um, uh, more of that. And I, I'm just excited about getting to be a part of it and, and working with, with you guys and with uh, with my students with Tennessee Tech. Like they've been really supportive of any crazy thing I've wanted to do. I've, at one time, I walked in and said, "Hey, I really want to record this for like and put it on YouTube. Is that a problem?" And they're like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> sure, just don't get in trouble." It's like, all right, sweet. So, like, so I mean, you know, this is different you know things that we've we've done and so but i i'm excited i think you know the human body we we act like you know we've been studying it for years so we find we 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 don't find it we find a new part of the like there's a new organ defined last year (laughs) you know like the mesentery was defined as an organ now so something's always changing and it's just fun to try to incorporate that to, to to talk to the students more and to get them engaged and it's been it's going to be a good time yeah, it's great. And I could not agree more. And, and we're going to do more shows on uh, almost everything you just talked about, about technology and good technology, bad technology. And I think, too, you know, you and I have talked about this. Sometimes you have good technology, but if you have a bad execution of it, you know, that oh, can get no. you. you know, yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to sometimes to figure that right. out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, you got to gotta be able to play your cards right. And that's that's. Figuring out what works best for you again is a big tip. So you got to learn to play them the way you need to. Yes, maybe in the future, and we'll ask our audience too. I'd be the most helpful for them. But in my mind, I think that we could do a couple shows on all that. So uh, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll keep you on on the reserve for when we get that rolling. And on that note, Richard, how can people find you if they're uh, on social media or anything else that you want to share? How can they find uh, Richard Perkle? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter. You can welcome find me there. It's at Perkle Prof. P I R K L E P R O F, and then uh, on Snapchat I'm the same thing, Purple Prof. And I'm on Facebook, uh, although my mom's on Facebook, so I don't really get on Facebook that much anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, anything really, honestly, to to uh, it's, you know my email, uh, you can find me through Tennessee Tech's directory. It's rperkle at tentech.edu. But you're more than welcome to contact me about anything if you have questions or. Um, always get in touch with Jim, and Jim can put you in touch with me as well. Yeah, and Richard does a bunch of webinars for us too. That uh, you know, put some links out there for some upcoming ones. I mentioned here in the podcast that he's done some publishing of articles, and uh, certainly feel free to get in touch with Richard and myself. And we just want to both together thank you all for listening to this awesome episode. We had a lot of fun, Richard. It's always such yeah. a blast talking with you, and uh, we're gonna have to do this again very soon. Yeah, sounds good, man. We'll do it. And I just hope you all have a good rest of your day, and we'll be uh, talking to you soon. Well, that was a fun session with Richard Perkle, and I want to thank you for listening to Succeed in A&P. And we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future podcasts. Feel free to email me at james.connely at mheducation.com. And also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast was brought to you by McGraw-Hill Education, the leader in learning science. Our goal is to unlock the potential of every student 
Our mission is to accelerate learning through intuitive, engaging, efficient, and effective experiences that are grounded in research. McGraw-Hill Education's Anatomy and Physiology is your trusted, data-driven partner in a and education. I hope you have a great day, and remember, it is a wonderful day to teach a and and we're going to talk to you soon on Succeed in a and